And I think the best way for people to look at uh, getting into product management is to actually do some of that themselves, actually learn how hard it is to make a sale over the phone, learn how, you know, sit on support for a while, see what people actually have to go through and, and build up that kind of empathy towards those roles as well. You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. Joining me today on the Product Edge is Paul Napper, a seasoned product professional and founder of Paul Napper Web Designs. I'm so excited to be discussing how people can move into product management with you today, Paul. We have a lot to cover off, so let's dive straight into it. Can you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, sure. Um, and first of all, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's an exciting uh, initiative that you've put together to you know get more raw content from people. So I uh, look at bit about myself. Um, I've spent, you know, the better part of a decade in uh, product management, starting from roles, you know, from an associate product manager all the way to a head of product position for a number of different companies uh, like Fairfax, uh, Big Commerce, Safety Culture, LexisNexis, to name a few. Um, And more recently dabbled in uh, different startups and, yeah, currently really enjoying just uh, doing my own thing for a while, uh, helping other businesses uh, create different websites, apps, and yeah, it's been exciting a uh, couple of months doing that, although I have been doing that for about, I don't know, feels like 15 years or so now. So yeah, it's, it's good to kind of get back to that. Fantastic. So it sounds like you've had a really varied career starting off in media with Fairfax, then you've moved into the SaaS space and um, with some big tech names like Safety Culture, Big Commerce, to name a few. Can you give us sort of an overview of your career today and how you made that move into product management? Yeah, I guess um, it's really funny in, in terms of the first uh, product management role that I had uh, at, at Fairfax. It was very much a, uh, we're looking for a business associate slash product manager. Really product management in Australia would have been in its infancy then as well in terms of digital product management. Uh, and it was it was a really funny interview with uh, I, I remember it very clearly with uh, Claire Botsis and James Fitzgerald. Um, I had done a lot of kind of side projects then. I would have been a uh, a young twenty one year old just rocking up in a, a suit at the time, uh, and you know we they just started asking me questions about the different kind of technologies and stuff and funnily enough i was i was kind of doubling in a side project which was using the same technologies uh and really was really interested in what they were talking about at the time i was you know working uh at a help desk for ray white mm-hmm. and really i had just started doing projects for this to fix different things in terms of streamlining processes not knowing what project management or product management actually was. I was just yeah. kind of getting into that. And I'd say um, even 
even that first interview kind of thing was uh, it was great to you know the the likes of James and Claire actually really guided what a product management was as I got into that first role in mm-hmm. terms of um, progression from there and and the product management kind of skill set you know I started having to do things like write requirements back then it was waterfall as well so <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we kind of had that fun um uh, change in in notion and I actually attended the first beta I'd call it a beta um, course by brainmates at the time so you know we had we had Nick uh, actually running that that first course with a bu- whole bunch of uh, people uh, you know my colleagues from from Fairfax and we were you know making Lego uh, seeing what requirements documents should actually look like and uh, starting to move more into the user story kind of set up there. So again, I, I kind of spent like three and a half years to four years there and kind of saw that evolution from, hey, here's a waterfall way approach of doing things to getting more into that agile um, approach. And, you know, I think full credit to the to the people like um, BrainMates and, and Nathan Moyes and, and other people that actually brought them in to, to actually kick off those discussions and, and change the thinking way back then at that time. Um, Fantastic. And the BrainMates guys are going strong today. We uh, we partner with them yeah. on uh, a few initiatives. With um, your move into product and how Claire and James brought you into that, was it a conscious decision to move into product or did you did you kind of fall into, into product? Uh, I think like so many around that time, like there wasn't this notion of like I'm going to become a product manager, that's, that's mm-hmm. my actual role. Um, I had... I had a passion for business and technology and I think the product role kind of and digital product manager really kind of fit fit those two passions of mine perfectly where, again, you want to get to a stage where you're doing a job that doesn't actually feel like you're doing a job. We're building like really cool things to enhance people's lives. Back then it was finding, uh, making it easier to find a car. Uh, also making, you know, in terms of the commercial realities of that as well, like, uh, putting a product which was called Enhanced Listings, putting that live so that the business was actually making a lot of money off the back of that as well. So, um, yeah, really, really learning uh, a lot during that time. And, again, like had some great, great people around me to help me, not only uh, kind of the drive team, we had Domain sitting right next to us. You know, if if uh, James was on ho- holidays, uh, it was okay, can you run the media sales for the domain team? And you kind of just jump into those situations. Again, coming back to your original question, those you don't you don't think about, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a product manager. And I'd even say uh, very few people right now would be actually thinking that way. They're actually more naturally doing that role and then probably shifting into some kind of formal education as to, oh, this is actually a career pathway that they're, they're probably needing to be told it. It's still somewhat in its infancy here in Australia, where I think the likes of in probably the US, it's a it's a bit more of a given that ah, oh, you know, yes, that is a, a career choice. I think our um, our kind of category, like in terms of product, is very similar to what UX would have been a few years ago as well. So user experience professionals would go through the exact same thing. Or oh, you're a graphic designer, uh, or you're this, or you're that. You know, I think at a barbecue, if you said you were a product manager, you'd still have a confusing conversation. There's still a lot of confusing looks going on. 
where you know the concept of a project manager is much much more understood um and so that that's an interesting one as well absolutely and i think um you know at the moment i talk to a lot of people that think they want to move into product management but again as you identified it's still quite a a new discipline and people aren't really sure how to move into it and when you dig a little bit deeper as you identified they're actually already doing some of the fundamentals and and doing the product role I guess one question for you is you know what do you think makes a great product manager yeah I think um I think it actually is someone who uh not only becomes the expert on in that subject matter that they're looking to dive into and that can take some time to become that uh but it's also someone who can distill a lot of information from multiple areas. I, I kind of um, I had this idea the other day that it's not just empathy for the customer and actually going out and really learning what the customer needs are, really becoming that kind of advocate and, and really understanding where the prioritisation of different items should be. I think it, it's got to be more than that now. I think that that was kind of enough to get get by on. I think you need to also have a lot of empathy for the other roles uh, within departments and the different uh, capabilities of the people around you, not only in your immediate team, but the likes of sales, the likes of product marketing. And I think the best way for people to look look at uh, getting into the into product management is to actually do do some of that themselves, actually learn how hard it is to make a sale over the phone, learn how, you know, sit on support for a while, see what people actually have to go through and and build up that kind of empathy towards those roles as well. And when you're starting to deal with people in different ways, it'll then become second nature as to um, understanding what they're going through now. That's their objective. Um, At the same time, I think, you know, you've got to, you've got to be the one that is confident enough to make the calls as well. Uh, you know, tough calls, tough decisions. Prioritisation is just one one of those things that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, this has been said over and over in, in different ways. You've got to be good at uh, communication and articulating the story, the vision of where you're going. I think a, a lot of the time it was it was kind of said, you know, you've, you're the CEO of the product. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, in some ways that, that's very much true, like, the, in in a lot of companies, you'll actually know a hell of a lot more about the product that you're build, building than the CEO actually does, and that that should be the case. That the CEO is trying to get funding, he's trying to do other things. He he knows where the product vision or the, or the company's vision is going. You're helping to articulate that product vision when you get into more of those senior roles. Absolutely, and you talk about the um, some of the softer skills there, um, empathy being the main one. Do you think companies focus too much on perhaps some of the the technical components of what a product manager needs, as opposed to somebody that does have strong empathy and, and those softer skills? Well, hundred percent. I think. Um, yeah. I think in in some uh, some cases, I've had uh, really strong commercial product managers pick up the technical capabilities within a matter of weeks. Um, and it's actually funny you say that because I find when I'm uh, being conducting interviews with people, they'll actually see that as a deterrent. Uh, I think it's actually great to have someone with, with uh, fresh eyes doing that. I think we all have different skill sets that we kind of lean lean towards or have a, um, a greater 
capability of doing. Um, however, yeah, I think I think uh, almost bringing people in who haven't got that technical um, capacity sometimes is is actually a good thing. They're like, well, why are you doing it this way? Like, haven't you thought of other things? It's almost like a fresh set of eyes on the, on situations. Um, in mm-hmm. saying that, I think it you know obviously over the that product manager's um, career there and even to, to start off with, I think it's great to have a good understanding of, of what you're going into, the different technologies, different UX capabilities, so that you can make conversation a lot easier. But it, by no means is it, is it something that you should go, uh, this, is, this is why I'm not going into product because I'm not a technical person not not at all as i said some of the best people uh and best product managers haven't had a technical background at all and that's interesting because there's definitely a shift in australia for companies hiring product folk that they are focusing more and more on the technical background and a lot of the startups and scale-ups look for ex-developers or people that can actually cut code for their product roles and um you know you talk to the the pure product people and they're you know almost aghast with such a concept um yeah. so you're you're of that similar opinion you need to have a technical understanding but you by no means do you need to be technical as in a, a developer no i t- totally agree and uh you know i think it's it's almost the same debate i would think as to where previously like the u.s said you have to have a uni degree like Unless you have, a, and some companies still do that as well. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a uni degree, no, we're not even going to interview you. Well, you know, we're, we're looking at lots of companies now that have started up by, you know, 16, 17-year-olds, <laughs> yeah. bigger things like how does that fit into the equation? So, yeah, for me, it's, it's on the same wavelength as that. I, I don't think you need to have that skill set at all. Perfect. And, you know, there's a lot of people wanting to move into product and, um, you know, finding it quite hard. And especially in our current climate where it is becoming even more competitive now to, to secure roles or jobs generally. What, what advice would you have for people wanting to land that first role in product? What, what are some of the things they can be working on or, or doing to, to achieve that? Yeah, definitely. I, I think you have to stand out. You have to be different. Um, you know, having having done almost 150, 200 different product management interviews, it's almost like you get a, a similar story all the way through. And you would know this better than I would as well. Uh, this is your bread and butter. And it's, it's almost you get a similar scenario, a similar, similar story. Really what, uh, what people are looking for is not only your competency to actually do the, the job, so let's first like talk about that. What can you be doing to showcase that you've built products? It's so easy to start a startup these days. Like go and yep. create a Shopify store, go and do something. That's going to tie in well with what I said before about the getting empathy for how you're making sales, how you're doing other things like that. Um, it's great, you know, even charity events or anything like that. What, what can you do that is helping other people by creating a product or showing that you're managing it. So that's kind of the competency side of things, but then it's almost the commitment side as well. So how can you actually show that you really uh, want this job? So have you done the research on the actual company? What, what in your own personal beliefs or your own values or 
as you go through their website, what bugs have you found? What would you improve? Like there's so many of those, they're almost basic things, but it shows that you're really committed. You've actually done some research beforehand. Uh, you're thinking about the industry. I had a, um, a candidate, you know, that, that came through and was more asking about, you know, the fintech space. And it was, it was clear to see that they were passionate about that whole fintech space itself. They knew everything that was going on. That's the type of uh, passion. It's like, okay, you're obviously well-suited to fintech and that industry. You've got a clear understanding that this is, this is what you want to do. Uh, sure. I think you've got to showcase that through. Fantastic. So what sort of research, if you're um, trying to move into your first product role, what would be, you know, your top three or four tips to, to for somebody trying to, you know, do that research? They, they don't know what to do. They're new. It they might be their first job or, or you know, straight out of uni. What, 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 what research should they do? Yeah, I think the first, probably the first point of call is actually just doing a bit of background research on what a product manager actually does itself so just getting the real basics um there's great material even on the Atlassian website about the different uh what what they have is called a playbook and the different things that you can you can and that's all free for people to have a look at and and get really good at those skills practice practice those skills there's it's actually you could do it with your friends you could do it with your family if you really wanted to Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, try to try to do it on a, a real pro- product or projects that you're working on that you're passionate about, and you'll find that you actually build up these skill sets really, really quickly. So I think something practical like that, really understanding what a product manager is, I would definitely say like go to meetups and uh, you know even run into the likes of the brains mates people, do their courses, that kind of formal, uh, more formal training as to what a product manager does as well. Uh, that's gonna. That's definitely gonna give you not only the toolkit, but it'll probably give you a lot of confidence as to what what you you know what you're talking about. Give them um, a little bit of an edge um, yeah, against right. competitors. And um, what's your thoughts on getting yourself a, a mentor? You know, some people rave about mentors and and live and die by it. Others, um, not so positive. Do you think um, sort of seeking out a mentor from a meetup or, or looking for someone like yourself online, what, what's your thoughts on mentors? Yeah, uh, look, I, I love the notion of a mentor kind of keeping you in check what, what you're actually doing, helping you advance. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's actually a great idea. What, what I do personally is I meet up with some of the, the people that I, I think are the best within their industries uh, that are kind of ahead of the game in a lot of sense of what where that industry is at i i would prefer spending my time meeting up with the likes of those people and to give you an example um one would be uh peter wallace who's an amazing uh architect uh, technical architect he keeps up to date with anything and everything that's going on with apple goes to the events um you know lucky for me i don't have to spend lots of money learning about all those things. I catch up with Peter for an hour. I know yeah. all those things. It's not, not only that, um, you know, it's, it's great to catch up with him anyway. And uh, mm-hmm. likewise, I remember when uh, Sketch first came out as, you know, the new design tool, uh, I met up with a good friend of mine, Seamus Hart, who was uh, already using Sketch, already was showing me a different project that he was building in there. And it's things like that where you, you've, and I think, that comes to another probably key point, which is people over process. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, you can read all this literature and do all these things, catch up with real life people and see what, the, see what they're doing and what they're up to. Absolutely. And then people moving into product, there's a bit of disconnect in the market at the moment and um, especially companies hiring for product folk. Do you think that starting off your career as a product owner is the right step and then you progress to a product manager or do you think that you, you know, somebody could just go straight into an end-to-end PM role and, and the difference is there? Yeah, look, probably even bigger than that is the difference between the type of organisation that they're starting with. If you're, if you're uh, a, let's say, a product owner or a product manager within a startup, you're going to be doing 50 different things in one day, um, completely different setup to whether it's a, a corporate environment. I honestly, I think there's, it doesn't matter if they were to start at a uh, PO and a of product management probably from the company side they're probably just trying to save a couple of dollars if we're being <laughs> but they're like oh you know you need to be this before you go go to that mm. honestly I, I think um you know even within the industry you know saying a product manager over a, a, a product owner kind of thing yes there could be intricacies as to what they do differently uh the better approach and again is something that um, Nathan, I have to credit Nathan Moyes for doing again, is actually have a, a product capabilities matrix. What are the actual <laughs> skill sets that you need to do to get to the next stage? And as anyone who's um, who's looking to get into product management or as a product owner, kind of tick off the different skill sets that you need to be, be getting really uh, competent at before you move to the next stage. And it's not always a straight straight line. Um, you could be, as I said before, we had someone in our team who was amazing at, at the commercial side of things and was just looking to round out his technically technical uh, knowledge. Um, there's others that are fantastic with their presentation and their per- persuasive skills mm-hmm. but still need to learn uh, the other commercial aspects in a or financial aspects in a deeper level. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I, w- I would focus more on that side as mm-hmm. to what you need to do. In terms of the companies that are hiring, mm-hmm. it's almost like you can push them back, well, what, what skill sets do you actually need? Oh, I think I can do that well because I've done X, Y, and Z before, and here's some clear-cut examples as, as to how I've done that. Absolutely, and there does seem to be a challenge in the market at the moment around companies actually knowing what they want from their <laughs> product teams, whether it's a product owner or a product manager, the, the roles are used um, interchangeably exactly uh, right. a lot. So I think that can, causes a lot of confusion and has created a bit of a, a hierarchy. And, you know, you might be a PM and somebody's hiring for PO and you think, oh, that's a step back in my career. I don't want to do that. But it really is just a, a job title. Um, you touched on the competency matrix. What's, um, what would be those um, core competencies that people should be looking at? Yeah, it, look, it'll probably take the next hour to explain <laughs> What would be the top three? Yeah, yeah in, a, in a nutshell, it's, you know, your kind of core competencies in terms of like, look, can, are you really good at writing requirements, et cetera, all the way through to, uh, you know, some more, if you're having a discussion with a CFO and they're talking about CapEx, OpEx, like can you actually keep up with that? Can you make recommendations mm-hmm. on how, how that's going through? So uh, there's everything in between those two items, but that's, mm-hmm. that's an example of 
of what's on that matrix. And um, I'm sure I can probably get a copy and, and share that with with uh, people listening here as well if they want. <laughs> that would be fantastic. We will be putting um, any additional resources into the show notes that can be accessed online. So, um, yeah, any resources like that would be phenomenal. Awesome. So somebody lands their first role as a PO or a PM, what what can they expect from their, their first role? Yeah, look, they'll probably have the, the notion of like they want to uh, first of all, you won't know about the subject matter more than likely. Um, you'll really have to learn and that's okay. Most companies are okay with going, look, it's going to take you a while to ramp up and be that expert. Probably the biggest thing is like don't try to be that expert. <laughs> don't, don't try to go, oh, I'm prioritizing this, this is my role, I've got to do this and that. Really get to, first of all, know the people that you're working with and really know them well, what their bug bears, what their pain points are. They'll actually tell you what their the customer's pain points are as well without mm-hmm. you even needing to. You'll just sit there. And the, the best thing um, I think that someone's probably told me during during my journey has been actually just absorb like a sponge those first first few even months and weeks Mm -hmm. you're just absorbing all the information then it kind of you're in this motion where you're distilling all that information you're more like analytical mode going okay based on that these are the key problems etc but for those first few weeks and months really just understand how how the organization works how the people within that organization work um and and then get to to the really the customer problems and start start really fixing fixing those that's really good insights because you know some companies have um more mature onboarding processes and induction processes and you know you have one end of the scale where uh, a pm will be put on calls and um to the customer and, and really kind of thrown into that so they can be a sponge and at other organizations at the opposite end and it's kind of you know sink or swim and you've got to find your own way and when we're talking to to product folk you know we're checking in with them in their first sort of three to six to nine months and you know asking have you listened to service calls have you gone and sat with the developers and just been part of the process what are the challenges that they're facing what are some of the you know blockers between product and different parts of the business and 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 when you start you're actually in a really good position because you don't have any bad behaviors or anything that you're kind of bringing to the table so you kind of get a clean slate to to start afresh with it with a new team and, and add value by just standing back and observing what, what currently happens yeah 100 percent. and you don't have any bias towards any organizational unit or anything like that you're coming in fresh and going well actually this is the key customer problem that uh and here's the impact that it will take if we if we fix this which is great and what do you think about um the ability to to say no or perhaps challenge something and if you're early in your career but possibly even more senior uh, product professionals find it difficult to to challenge the status quo um, and especially if you're new into a role you might stand back and observe you know what that doesn't really make sense or I think there's a better way to do it but people typically do struggle with the saying no or, or pushing back do you have any thoughts or advice around uh, around that yeah, I'm, I was hopeless at this for ages. <laughs> I don't believe that at all. <laughs> um, my my natural reaction to things is like, oh, yes, that's possible. I actually had a phone call the other day where um, the the client of mine was, he started every single sentence with, 
uh, is this possible? And he, he got to the end of the phone call and just said, I'm going to stop saying, is this possible? <laughs> keep on saying, yeah, of course that's possible. Um, so what, but what, uh, it is, it is a hard skill you've got to kind of develop over time. And a lot of things, yes, it's possible. It's just not the right priority. And I think as a product manager, your, your role uh, to a large degree is actually finding the evidence and the uh, analytics and everything else to back up your case. A lot of the time it almost seems like you're a lawyer that's going in and having like a discussion about, well, this is why this case is really, really, uh, you know, this task we should do next, next because of, X, Y, Z reasons, here's the outcome that we think we'll get as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, is, it is hard to actually rope in different business units towards that same thing. And I think what's becoming much easier to make those conversations uh, a lot more aligned within organisations is this kind of common language that we're starting to speak now with OKRs and, mm-hmm. and the different vision that you actually set out. Uh, if you set a, out a vision to do X, Y, Z and you're trying to put in a task there which is clearly not aligned with that overall master vision or even some of your, your objectives, everyone should be questioning, well, how, do we, you know, how does that get us to X amount of users or uh, X amount of profit, whatever it may be that your key objective is. So I think, we're, again, it's probably OKRs have been around for a long time but within mm-hmm. our kind of the technical landscape that we find ourselves in, it's still that maturity process. Um, there's actually some some really cool software uh, that a, a couple of my ex-colleagues are working on to even make that that process a lot more streamlined and a lot more easier to understand as well. Um, so maybe I can probably link that it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so that things like that um, really help, I think. Absolutely. And again, um, OKRs is, uh, yeah, we could discuss that for a couple of hours, I'm sure. Um, But it sounds like, you know, whether it is using OKRs or, you know, common buzz language at the moment is data-driven decisions. And I think, like you said, if you're collecting data to back up your your point or why you're you're potentially challenging something having that data or evidence or aligning it to the OKRs would, would make that conversation less emotional and and more sort of reason based i guess yeah and i think look a lot of the time you're dealing with people and you are dealing with emotions mm-hmm. and you've got to kind of guide them through that whole process as well and that that's the perfect the word emotion is actually the the perfect uh word there because Look, a lot of the time you'll find you're working with a CEO that, you know, oh, we're doing this, we're just doing it because just that's what we're doing. Yeah. So you've got to understand that that's, that's their emotion driving that. Um, and you've also, you will, you will have to deal with a lot of ambiguity and, and that sort of thing as part of being a product manager. That's just what part and parcel of what you'll have to deal with as well. And that ambiguity is is a lot easier for some people to to work within, and and for other people, you know, it, it can be quite challenging. And they do like more process and, and structure to to their day and their lives. Um, what what's your thoughts on, I guess, the difference between being a product manager within a corporate environment and more established um, systems and processes versus you've been involved in early stage startups, you've been involved in high growth scales up, scale ups. What, yeah. What's your take on that? Yeah. I think, I think you hit it, the nail on the head there where different people 
kind of have a natural tendency to be like either really organized or you know probably a bit more hacky a bit scrappier um mm-hmm. and look i think i think kind of each you can have different types of product managers even within corporate that uh you know some will have very detailed requirements documents detailed jobs to be done or user stories others will have like uh very loose uh, you know, maybe just even sketches as opposed to wireframes uh, that, are, that are drawn out. Um, and there's, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think there's probably a tendency for people a bit more organised to, to go to corporate because of that corporate structure and it, they might actually enjoy that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, putting someone in that with that kind of background or natural tendency into a startup environment, they may actually struggle within that environment where, you uh, you know, you've got to do things maybe a bit more in a Kanban way as opposed to uh, really defining, you know, not spending 12 weeks on a, uh, let's say, like a user discovery document as opposed to, look, just go out and do some guerrilla testing and we'll really quickly hack something together, test test if there's value there and, and go from there. And look, so to be honest, like each has their, uh, their own place in different different products um, that you're building. I remember being at a UX book club once and um, they were talking about the uh, the ejection seat in a, in a helicopter. It, that's not exactly the thing that you want to make an easy user experience on. Uh, it's something where you need to actually, uh, you know, pull it out, lift it, t- tweak it a certain way to actually, you don't want everyone sitting in that seat being able to easily do that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so someone that's a product manager for that i want them to actually have more time to think about how that's done as opposed to uh oh look we we uh spent one week designing this and we think it's going to be okay for people to be able to do that so mm. different different jobs to be done need need different uh time and and processes around it as well just absolutely go through. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So look, you know, you've been in startups and scale-ups and um, everything in between. Lift the lid on it for us. What's, um, you know, what's it like in that startup scale-up space? Because at the moment, let's be honest, it's sexy, you know, there's big capital raises, there's loads of media hype and anyone that's looking from the outside thinks, you know, they've got the rose-tinted glasses on and they want to be part of that story. But again, coming back to people's personal styles, you know, what's it really like? Yeah, if, if anyone thinks it's um, an easy ride, and I think, uh, to be honest, if you go and watch the, there's a movie called The New Hustle that uh, Luke and E put together about yes. the safety culture journey um, and Canva and there's a bunch of others in there as well. Yes. Uh, it, it does lift the lid on, no, this is this is actually the real life story uh, as to what a start, what working in a startup and what being in a startup is like. Mm-hmm. Honestly, don't join one until you've actually like seen that movie and, and go, <laughs> okay, that's that's what it's actually about. I think, yeah. um, look, in terms of uh, the the startup space, I think honestly, think you have to have a natural um, risk profile around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think an entrepreneur, when it comes down to it, is someone who likes who's willing to take more risks. Uh, and I think startups uh, are probably built, the, the ones that are, will be successful are the ones that are willing to take 
take a lot of risks and need need those types of personalities. That's not to say that I think if any organisation needs a balance of, you know, these, these are the people that are taking the risks risks over here and there's always like a vo- there needs to be a voice of reason and things like that as well. So I think you, you can have a, a different set of groups and personalities within those organisations. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if you're a product manager that's about to go into into a startup or into a, a, a scale-up or a, a corporation, it's worth thinking about what is your natural, what is your kind of like natural um, values or profile or whatever it may be to mm-hmm. where you're going to actually get the most out of it uh, yes. to start off with. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of um, misconception out there and everyone thinks, you know, startups are are cool and and sexy. And I know when I um, started my own company nearly four years ago, a lot of friends and family were like, oh, it must be amazing. You have all this free time on your hands. What do you do? I'm like, I have never worked more hours in my life. Like I don't get a day off. Um, You know, Christmas Day you're working and, you know, you're on holiday, New Year's and you're still doing things. It's uh, it's, it's hard, but again, it's, uh, it's rewarding at the same time. Oh, 100%. And, and look, I think a lot of larger corporates as well, they're starting, they still see startups as being the sexy space to be in as well. Mm-hmm. So they're starting to dabble in more like corporate ventures and, and other things and even a startup mentality within their own category or segment or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And that actually for a lot of people may be the best place to start where they've got the safety of like a, a salary job, etc. They They know they're going to be employed but they can actually start working on different initiatives as if they were a startup. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, you see that um, a lot, those innovation hubs, so to speak, yeah. sort of spinning up within the larger enterprises, which I think is um, yeah really interesting to see that um, continue. So you've had such a diverse and, and interesting career to date. I'm sure... On your journey, you've had some amazing highs and um, inevitably some some lows. What's uh, been your greatest achievement to date professionally? Yeah, it's a good question because a lot of it's almost like uh, picking your favourite kid. Like there's a lot of <laughs> processes. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but um, look, one one I thoroughly enjoyed for a number of reasons, and I, I think it all comes back to the team that was actually put in place was was when we're at uh, Lexus Nexus actually putting together an iPad app um, called Lexus Nexus Red. I think you know the uh, just the way we went about it, uh, creating a product that was actually uh, being used and uh, commercially successful. Um, but but more than that, it was actually helping people at the end of the day. So um, not to go on too long about it, but you know, it it was actually helping improve improve uh, getting uh, the latest law that that's coming through into barristers' hands, into police prosecutors' hands, and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, I love the practical nature of some of the initiatives as well. Before you you see everyone kind of pulling these massive um, what's called loosely uh, books on the streets in Sydney and they're having to go into court with those. This then became an iPad app that they could just take that in and, and go from there. I think um, I think the app itself is still going after, it must be five plus years now, it's probably seen three or four other product managers after me work on it. Um, and so that's that's definitely one that, 
I still kind of reference and and I'm definitely proud to be part of that team that that made it turn it into a reality. Um, that's not to say it was, wasn't bloody hard work getting yeah. it done and working with three different teams uh, or four different teams in different locations, uh, having to negotiate uh, with uh, suppliers on like, well, hang on a second, the app doesn't work and we want 170K or something like that back. Like really tough decisions, tough moments, definitely not all rosy. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes like when you go through that initial hard period, uh, even if you're starting a company or creating a new product and different things, it is it is hard, but then you get this awesome uh, joy out of it once it's all done and, and things are actually going smoothly as well. So. Amazing. And working on, like you said, a product that's actually having an impact and adding value to, to the real world and people's lives must be so rewarding. And as you said, it stays with you for, for a long time. On the flip side of that, what's been um, one of your biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome? Yeah, look, I think um, I think we touched on it before with like the saying no uh, mm-hmm. type of thing, and and probably a great product example of that was again in my Fairfax days. We, you know, probably didn't do much uh, user research around a complete different uh, dealer management system solution, and. And we're kind of just told, you know, go go build this thing, uh, and and really just spending over engineering uh, a solution, um, putting it to market, and just not not having anything great happen with it. It was it probably mm-hmm. died within like the first twelve months or so, and that's that is the opposite end of the scale where it's. Uh, I was lucky enough that I've been able to learn that early on in my. Uh, career where mm-hmm. you know, now I, I like the question. Well, hang on a second. Are we actually over over engineering certain mm-hmm. solutions and, and that sort of thing? Um, but yeah, you are you're going to have some really good days, and you're going to have days where you're just like, no, this is crap. But <laughs> again, uh, if you come back to like your core passions and things yeah. like that, I, my my core passion has always been like business and technology and the intersection of those two. Mm-hmm. And I I honestly don't feel like I'm doing a day of work when, I, when I'm actually working on concepts and, and working with great people as well. Uh, people definitely make, make uh, a lot easier when you get great people around you. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. Paul, it's been absolutely amazing talking with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and experience with us. How can we stay connected with you after this? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably the easiest way. And also uh, you can go to my website, paulnapper.com.au. Perfect. And we will include those links in the show notes. And then lastly, before we wrap up, what would be one piece of advice you would like to share with aspiring product managers? Yeah, look, I'll just really touch on exactly what I said, like do something that you're passionate about, um, you know, and then actually work towards something that is going to change, uh, make, make people's lives better and, and do something that's, that's good for the world. Don't, don't just uh, look at all the commercial side of things and go, we're going to make lots of money. Yeah. Actually try to do something that's more beneficial. Living with purpose and value, I think, makes um, work and life in general more rewarding overall. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Paul, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for that, Jade. Thank you for listening to The Product Edge brought to you by Middleton Executive. 
You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.